this week's episode, I am interviewing Gabby, a holistic life coach that walks with women into their remembrance, focusing on inner child work, nervous system regulation, all to ensure that we are free from shame, guilt, and to work on being the person that we needed when we were younger. Hello, hello. I am so honored to be here. My name is Gabby. I am a holistic life coach. I walk with women in their remembrance of their innate worth so they can live a life that is true and beautiful to them. My own journey of living my truth has been long, beautiful, and brutal, as Glennon Doyle would say. I grew up a very anxious child. I struggled a lot with mental illness, and my parents did as well. Unfortunately, they felt a lot of shame, and they weren't willing to look at their own struggles, so they projected a lot of punishment, anger, and resentment towards my own expression of my struggles. I learned early on that I had to be somebody else, cover what I was truly feeling, and please my parents so that I could receive the love and belonging that I craved. That trajectory took me into adult life where I checked off all of the boxes. I got married very young. I got a career that was completely unfulfilling but looked really good. I had a house and I was very unhappy. But I checked off all the boxes. I was doing what I needed to do to receive the love I so craved still. I remember somebody asking me if I loved myself for the first time. And I remember thinking what an absurd question I had never even thought about if I loved myself. I was busy hustling to receive love from others, checking off all the boxes. I was exhausted. It was as if that conversation sparked my truth within me. Two years into my marriage, I found myself on the bathroom floor looking around at a life I had built for other people. None of it was true to me, but it looked really good. I decided to begin a journey back to my truth. Unfortunately, my marriage did not last and I left my career. I started a new life in a different city and I was acquiring so much knowledge about self. The thing about knowledge is it is not yet embodied. And in order for true integration, we have to involve our body and our souls in our development and our growth. So I ended up in a new city, but unfortunately the pattern followed me. I ended up back into another toxic relationship and working a job I hated, and I was so confused. I reached out to a therapist, a spiritual mentor, who reflected back to me that all of this knowledge needed to be practiced and embodied, and there was so much more to my journey than just acquiring knowledge. I had to start to listen to my truth and honor it in every single moment. 
So everything I had been learning, I started to put into practice. I started doing inner child work and regulating my nervous system. I started dismantling my limiting beliefs and really started to see a life that I was co-creating. I found my way back to myself and my journey now is honoring my truth in every moment and walking with women to do the same. It is my greatest honor to see women honoring their truth and living a life that feels like freedom to them. This is what I do. No, that's amazing. And I really appreciate what you said about how you kind of felt this new sense of power when you were able to learn and obtain the knowledge, but it didn't just stop there and it wasn't enough. And I feel like that's everyone's starting point with self-awareness, mindfulness, any kind of healing journey. You get sick of your surroundings and you know that you want change. You can't recognize the person that you are. You don't like your everyday life. You don't like your surroundings and you know that there needs to be change. And then there becomes this awakening where you have so much knowledge and you just want to learn everything possible. And then there becomes this another point in your healing journey when you're going through all that knowledge and you're kind of just like, so how does this all apply? Where does this come in? How do I make this work for me? And again, it gives you a bit of sense of confusion, relief, confusion again. And when you get to that second point of confusion in your healing journey where you are now committed to yourself, you know you want to do this, you got to dig deeper. And that's when I think for you, the brutal part really set in. Because I know for myself, it, was, it wasn't even the first initial, okay, I want to change my life that was brutal. It was that second round of confusion, facing all of those demons, facing my trauma and coming to terms with the fact that healing is facing all of that and going through those unfortunate moments again so you can come out the other side and actually be healed it's so much past just obtaining the knowledge and kind of putting the pieces together of who you are it goes so much more past that so I appreciate you bringing that up and saying that because it's definitely something that I think people need to be aware of when they're starting out on this work And what I also want to ask for you is, I feel like inner child and doing a lot of reparenting, these have become buzzwords now, and they are very commonly almost misused. So can you just break down exactly what the inner child is and kind of the work that you need to do to figure out how to tap into your inner child and see what those needs are that need to be met? Absolutely. So our inner child basically is the part that exists within us from our past. And inner child work is going back to address the places where our needs were not met by our caretakers. And as much as a lot of uh, women I come in contact with want to say and honor their childhood as my parents did the best that they could, we have to come to a place of holding both and both. So we can hold that our parents did the best that they could And maybe they did an actually incredible job, but we can also honor that no matter how great our parents are, they never will have the ability to fulfill every single one of our needs. 
And once we bring that awareness to our adult life, then we're able to track back to our inner child, to the parts of us that exist still in those moments that were traumatic or emotionally stunting. And we cannot change what happened to us, but by addressing those parts, we're able to change our emotional attachment to those moments and reparent, reparent what we went through. We are able to give ourselves what we never received during those moments. And so inner child work became a pinnacle of what I do with my one-on-one clients because it became evident that so much of our behavior now and who we are now is based on the belief systems and the narratives and the stories that were created before we were even seven years old. And without going back there, trying to rewire something without digging up the roots is almost impossible. So that's really what inner child work is about, is just going back and changing our emotional attachment to what happened to us and then giving ourselves what we never received. 100%. And I feel like it's kind of hard to grasp that everything is rooted from childhood. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's difficult to come to terms with because you don't want to look at your childhood and think that your parents failed you. You don't want to look Mm -hmm. at your childhood and remember only the bad. And that isn't Mm -hmm. necessarily the point of this work. It's just that we were emotional little beings Mm -hmm. who had to push aside our emotions, sometimes to make room for our parents' emotions. And what that can create is just a detached adult And that can also translate to so many other issues when you're an adult. And what I want to ask you regarding that is what are some patterns that you notice as a professional in this work that you see from someone who really needs to do inner child healing? Are there any kind of like patterns or behavior as adults that you can see as a direct translation of needs not being met as a child? Absolutely. So there's definitely signs in our day-to-day lives where we can notice that it is our inner child that is in a reactive state, not our current adult mind. I first want to just address something you just said because it was it was really good. It's when we're children, our relationship with our caretakers is about survival. So Whatever we have to do in order to make sure that that relationship stays stable, we will do as children. It is our survival. And in order to survive, we need love, we need belonging, and we need to feel safety. So in order to not disrupt that relationship, when something happens, we get in trouble or our parent is upset or we feel some part of our safety, lovability, threatened, we will make it about us rather than making it about them in order for us to survive. So we can change ourselves in order to still feel belonging, love, and safety. And that's what we do. That is how we survive. It is of no fault of our own, but when we carry those mechanisms into adulthood is when we find problematic things start to happen. So I find that the number one things we can notice when trying to identify whether it's our inner child or not, is when we are 
in highly reactive to things. When you find yourself in a situation that could be slightly triggering and you find yourself full-blown in a reactive state and you're feeling rage or you feel extreme emotional states, that's often a sign that our inner child needs attending to. Also, I find over-independence um, to be a direct correlation with uh, the need for inner child work when we're saying, oh, I don't need anybody, I can do everything on my own. You know, a certain level of independence is healthy, but it can transgress into a ch inner child wounding um, when it gets to an extreme point. I would also say, you know, just destructive coping mechanisms when we are numbing, when we are workaholics, when we, you know, experience these things and try and numb out our emotional states, we're usually running from something. We're usually suppressing something and that can oftentimes be traced back. So a lot of those um, are usually the warning signs that inner child work could be beneficial. But like I was saying before, you know, even if we had the most wonderful, wonderful childhoods, this work is for everyone because no matter how wonderful our parents are, they could not meet all of our needs. It's not possible. So we all have something to go back to and attend to whether these things are showing up or not. That's a really, really key point. I think of this entire episode is that a lot of people assume inner child work therapy is for those who are broken. And I use yes. broken in quotations mm -hmm. and very loosely because mm -hmm. that is not terminology that should exist when we are discussing who we are as people. However, that is the stigma that is attached to all of it. And it's important for professionals like yourself to say out loud, no, you are a human being. Your parents are also a human being. They could not tend to every single need of yours. But that is something now as adults that we can look back on and take control of and now tend to our own needs. And that also can be a beautiful experience for yourself, though. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily always have to be super messy. It can also be a beautiful experience to connect with your inner child and tend to those needs again. I tend to find people use a very negative connotation with the word child when they are an adult. So if you say to someone, you're acting like a child, you immediately are like, oh, I am acting what? Are you trying to say that I'm acting immature? Are you trying to say that I'm being silly, that I'm being goofy? And it has this negative connotation that when we get into the realm of then discussing inner child work, we think automatically that, okay, so we need to go back to being immature. We need to go back to maybe these negative emotions and negative um, words that we have associated with it. But what we need to realize also is that it's the good parts of being a child too. It was the, the freedom being present. It was being able to laugh and not have as many worries. And it's all of those little aspects that I would really like for people to try to switch the mindset to as well. And what I would love to hear from you is how do you incorporate that into your work? How do you incorporate that? It's not just the hurt and the pain. It also is the fun and getting back to 
being silly and laughing and being able to enjoy life and be present. So true. Something we've forgotten often in our adult life. I think that so much of inner child work can really be uh, parallel to reparenting reparenting work, right? So sometimes if the word child is triggering, we'll go into, we are simply reparenting. Because what's at the core of inner child work is safety. What we're doing is we're creating safety to now in our adult life, stand in our complete wholeness and be true to ourselves and act out of that. As long as there's severance happening in our past through trauma or through non-addressed emotional things that have happened to us, then we cannot truly stand in our wholeness. So once we do that, we start to cultivate safety to be wholly who we are. We start to realize that so much of that still exists within us. And it's safer then to actually express our creativity and our joy and play and laugh and have fun and just feel free. And so I think that what happens is once we start doing inner child work, it's a natural byproduct of it to start to be able to experience creativity and joy and laughter. And what keeps you coming back to inner child work is the joy that's found from being wholly you, fully and wholly accepting of every emotion and every part of you that exists. So I find that to be the correlation between the two. And as we start to incorporate more of those things as safety is created, and I encourage my one-on-one clients, hey, like, if you feel like drawing or coloring, just do it. Or, you know, I also encourage them to have a picture of themselves when they're young and just keep it somewhere where they can see it often because it cultivates that relationship and you start to see yourself at that age and and you start to form, you know, a loving remembrance of that child. Um, It starts to bring those elements in to your reality in a safe way and not in a rejective, oh, I shouldn't be doing this kind of way. I think that's important. I sometimes, you almost feel imposter syndrome as an adult, you almost feel like you're a kid stuck inside of this adult body and who the heck let me be an adult? What am I supposed to be doing? I don't know what I'm doing. And I think I think if you feel that, which I'm sure everyone does at some point, that is also a clear indication that you have some inner child work to do because one, you don't need to have it all figured out. But if you feel a bit like an imposter in your own body, then maybe it's because you're not honoring your inner child and you're not giving it that space to be who it needs to be. And that is, I think, something that adults really struggle with admitting that we are just kids on the inside and there's nothing wrong with that. We need to honor it and love it and nourish it and give it its space because we're going to grow up and we're going to be very old and very wrinkly very soon. So why not still enjoy and honor and love that part of yourself because it's not going to go away. Absolutely. And aren't the most beautiful people that you see the ones that are in full expression of themselves, you know, fully just embodied in joy or play or creativity. You know, when I see that, that's when I, my whole body lights Mm -hmm. up. It's like something resonates within me of like, yeah, yeah, that's it. They get it. It's, being an adult is not about, you know, checking off the lists. 
or being somebody or curating this identity that fulfills, you know, all of these checklists provided by society. But when I see somebody in their wholeness and acting from that place, it lights something up in me. It feels true to me. And it just says, you know, that is what is beautiful about humanity is that as we grow older, we still have access to these parts Mm -hmm. of ourselves. They never die. And even when we're old and wrinkly, we'll have access to this part, you know, at this age. And then also when we're young and to integrate all of that into our day-to-day lives is really what I think being human is about, you know, and we get lost. It gets lost in translation of these identities of who we need to be and what we need to be doing. And really, we're all just trying to figure it out. We're all just trying to figure it out. It's so true. I know that anytime I see an older couple, the thing that I admire the most about them is if they are laughing, if they are joking with each other, if they're being playful. That is something that, like you said, it does light me up. And I didn't realize it until you just said that out loud. But I see that and I get all warm and fuzzy. And I'm like, oh, I look forward to that one day. And I look forward to be able to be that age and still enjoy life and my partner and my family and not feel the world's expectations on my shoulders and just be so darn heavy with trying to maintain an adulthood and life and just be an adult in general. Right. Right. We've made it mean something to be an adult, right? Society has set out rules of what it looks like to be an adult and how to act. And you, and I think that there's kind of a new sense of reality happening where people are saying, wait, 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 wait. Maybe that's not what it's about anymore. Maybe it's about integrating all parts of ourselves and then just being wholly us in whatever that looks like, doing what feels true to us, doing what feels beautiful to us, doing whatever it is that feels right to us and honoring our own truth and then living from that place. Screw screw the mm-hmm. checklist. Let's just, you know, enjoy and be us. I love that so much. That's so beautiful. (laughs) I think it would also be great for us to discuss here kind of how do we even go about starting this inner child work? What are really the steps? I know that's going to look a little bit different for every single person, depending on your situation and the needs that need to be met. However, I do think that there is a little bit of a process you can go through if you want to kind of dip your toe in and see what it is and what it could look like for yourself. So can you kind of go through some of the basics and some of the steps so people can get an idea of what that would look like? Absolutely. I definitely recommend if you're going to go deep into inner child work, definitely do it with somebody, with um, somebody who does this because it can get um, emotions can arise that you aren't prepared for. Um, because they've often been suppressed for so long that when we start to go into the subconscious, we start to address these things, a lot of emotions arise and, and sometimes we aren't prepared for them. So we definitely recommend walking this journey with somebody, either a coach or a therapist. Um, but there is some things you can start to do on your own to see if this is something that feels good to you, that feels like, okay, I'm ready to do this. So the first thing I would recommend is curiosity. So that's something that is often suppressed in our childhood and it needs to come back to us and curiosity will always lead us where we need to be going. So when we feel triggered, when we feel over 
reaction to something or we feel like we are in over independence or we start to notice, hey, maybe this is my inner child, getting curious and asking ourselves, was there, is there another time that I can remember feeling this way? Start getting curious of what's really happening with this emotional reaction to what's whatever's at play. Start to get curious and ask yourself the questions of, is there somebody who has made me feel this way before this person did? Was there a time, another time I can name that I felt this way? You know, just the curiosity will start to lead you and slowly open your subconscious mind to what may be at play underneath everything. So curiosity is powerful. And it's also integrating your inner child into your day-to-day life because children are curious and that's something we need to continue. The other thing is um, just meditating, getting quiet with yourself and just starting to connect emotionally to the different versions of yourself from the past and just start bringing love to them. Start allowing memories to flood you as you go into your own silence of when you were a child or different memories you have and just be there with those memories. Be there with your inner child and just start to see what arises for you. What's at play? How do you feel? Um, And then also journaling. You know, I think journaling is so powerful because it gives us a space to be completely raw and honest without having to worry about what's being reflected back at us. And I think journaling to our inner child opens the door a little bit. Writing a letter to your inner child. What advice do you want to give them? What do you want to tell them? And just starting to open the communication there between the two of you. So these are ways just we can start to dip our toe into figuring out what's really at play underneath our reactions and how we feel about our life in the current reality. Those are great first steps to take. Now, I think going off of that, Mm -hmm. it would be great to also discuss those who probably suffer from trauma who are a little bit more hesitant of getting into this because the trauma could have stems from any part of their childhood. And going back to that is opening up a whole can of worms for them. So what would you, what would you say to them and what advice would you give to them? Yeah. If you already know that there are deep levels of trauma in your childhood, I definitely recommend resourcing somebody to walk that journey with you. We are not meant to do this alone. I did not do it alone. Nobody I know has done it alone. We are not meant to walk this alone. We need to have somebody's hand to hold along the way. And so if you already know that trauma exists, I definitely recommend just get somebody to walk the journey with you um, because it can be overwhelming. It can be a lot. And sometimes we need a place to filter through what we are going through, what we have been through and make sense of it through reflection from another person. So definitely access. There are so many resources. And I just think that it is so important that we do this work with somebody. I agree. Um, I'm the biggest advocate for therapy. And I think that I will say it until I'm blue in the face, how important it is and that it just gives you a different perspective that maybe you weren't ready to see. And then also working with coaches, they give you the action items to Mm -hmm. fulfill Mm -hmm. and really follow through with what you have learned. Absolutely. Gabby, do you have anything else that you would like to add in 
to this beautiful work? I think even if you don't feel it right now, I just want everyone to know that you are enough, you are worthy. And although this work is hard and can be exhausting sometimes, that it is worth it to remember the truth of your being, the truth of your nature. And that no matter what you face, as long as you surround yourself with a support system, you can get through it. And there is a life beyond survival mode that exists and where you are able to be wholly you. And it is so worth everything, every effort you have. I couldn't agree more. And I think saying that there's life beyond survival mode is a very large statement. And it's something that even just hearing myself, it's kind of reassuring. It's, it's Mm. a nice little reminder that I don't think I've even heard someone say that exact sentence before, Mm. but Mm. it's the truth. We don't need to be in fight or flight. And although that Mm. has become our norm, it isn't normal. And there is life past that. And there is a beautiful, very happy life that is at peace. (laughs) Gabby, thank you so much for everything today. Where can everyone find you on social media? Yes. So you can find me at gabrielle.olivia. The O is a zero. That's on Instagram. Through that link in my bio, you'll be able to find my membership, my website. Everything is there, all the information you need. And also slide into my DMs because I am always here if you need any support or guidance. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you. Thank you so much. This has been such a beautiful conversation.